The following is an exclusive presentation of 680 WPTF and Applied Vision Works. This is the Building a Leadership Culture to Reach Your Destination podcast, hosted by President of Applied Vision Works, Don Hadley. An in-depth look at the four pillars of sustainable success. Hello, everybody. It's Craig Chase, Operations Manager at Applied Vision Works. I'm here with the podcast, Building a Leadership Culture to Reach Your Destination. I have the pleasure of Don Hadley and Andrew Bird with me here today. And I want to do something a little bit different. I want to talk to you guys about Jedi cultures versus <laughs> Sith cultures. <laughs> so as you're all familiar with Star Wars, there's the ongoing epic battle of good versus evil, the Jedi versus the Sith. And uh, I want to take a moment to talk to you guys. I think that the uh, the Sith are a little bit misunderstood, and I want to prove it to you guys through talking about business. You're one scary guy, Craig. That's all I can say. <laughs> so let's parallel to business. So whenever I look at the Jedi, I think of cultures of kindness. I think of burying your feelings. Don't show any hate. Don't show any emotion. Only do good. Uh, take kids away to young age and bring them from, away from their parents to train them to be fighters which is also a little bit unethical. But um, the Sith really preach about being open and direct and being in full, um, in tune with your emotions and taking the energy and the, the feelings you have and directing them and then controlling them into something that's useful and productive. And I think that's exactly how it goes in business. Don, how do you feel about cultures of kindness? I know you have a very strong feeling about them. Well, I, I know uh, that... I have been known to make the comment that I hate cultures of kindness. And uh, the reason I have said that so often, as I think you explained with using the Jedi analogy, is there is a tendency to just everybody's nice and kind and has this overlay. But then what I find in a lot of those cultures, when you actually get behind the scenes, is they're not engaging, they're not talking with each other, not learning, they're not having the fights you need to have to have a real relationship. One of my mentors early on made the comment to me that if you can't be angry at somebody, you don't really have a relationship with someone. One. And I did not understand that at the time. And as I've gotten older, I've come to realize that it's not that we're looking to be angry, but it's part of human nature, part of the human element. So if cultures are 100% kind, I, I get concerned because that's uh, problematic. Now, the question is, if they're 5% kind, then you got a problem on the other side of things. Andrew, you'd spoken in the previous podcast a little bit about you working with emotions and, and controlling emotions. I, I relate to that very much. So I've been working on meditating, which you said as well, which I thought was really cool. So I think you're taking the right steps. But but how do you feel about this kind of dynamic of working on emotions and really directing them towards a, a common goal? So with, with with my employees or people that are looking up to me, I had this happen to me last week. My project manager and one of my carpenters were not on the same page about what color countertop they were supposed to get, and they were getting all upset at each other, and they were going back and forth. And so he was, get, he was getting upset with me, which is probably not a great idea. And so I maintain this level of voice right here. It doesn't matter what's happening. And I told him that because if I flush, if I am all nervous and, and giving off a bad energy, then my employees latch onto that. And so it, it takes them a lot longer to get over it than it does me. So now I've lost a, an hour or two of productivity because they're scrambling their mind, worried about if I'm mad at them, I, I yelled at them. No, we have to, you know, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but I, I, I think that, that everybody feeds off everybody else's energy. So if we're all sitting here negative, like your, your life sucks, my life sucks, and it just sucks. But if everybody's doing good, 
it just you can feel a better vibe. Part of what that makes me think of is that a lot of leaders, there's a tendency just to behave normally. But I find as a leader, I can't behave normally because a small action on my part is taken as a tidal wave on other people's parts. So I've got to carefully look at the ripples, the wake that I'm leaving behind me, and if anything, tone it down a bit to see. You know, the analogy of Jedi Sith, Sith is pretty cool. I like that. But I've also realized some cases I'm choosing to go to the extreme to get sure I'm clear in my communication. But then there's other cases I've got to bring it back in, particularly if there's high emotion, particularly if there's high emotion in order to not create a negative tidal wave that just blows somebody away around me. I think it's really important, too, to be able to have strong conflict. Don, one of the, the greatest gifts that you've passed on to me, um, which I was actually, I have a twin brother, many of you don't know, so I'm, I'm very good at conflict, but not necessarily conflict with a common resolution and a positive goal in mind. So that's one thing that you've really helped me is not just be able to fight to win, but fight to have a purpose that maybe can serve both parties. Do you want to talk a little bit more about kind of your ideology of conflict and how important it is in the workplace? Can you think of an example where we had conflict recently that where our, our emotions got heightened and perhaps we weren't seeing it clearly? Is there something you can think of that comes to mind, or even if it wasn't recently? So in my opinion, most people, well, I'll say most people, half of, if you've got 20 CEOs in a room and somebody asks a question, who tries to avoid conflict? Half of them raise their hand, right? So half of the people, at least the CEO leaders, avoid conflict at all costs. I think conflict is healthy. It's, but like you said, it has to be with a solution. You can't just be arguing to argue. And so we call them non-negotiables. Look, if, if there's a conflict and it's a non-negotiable, then it's, it is there is a solution, but it's it's a conflict with a solution, and so I personally don't mind conflict at all. I'm I'm a, I could be a confrontational person, but I I've had to steer back on the other side of that from not from trying to be more understanding and passionate to what you're saying, and not think I'm right all the time, and and say you know because I am the boss, and so now I'm right and you're not right, and so I don't I've tried to become a little bit new age in that because I've I've watched people run their businesses like that, and and their employees are scared of them, and they they don't have good relationships with them, and they don't have good cultures with them. And, and so as I grow and I'm hiring more millennials and stuff, I, I can relate to them. But at the same time, I demand respect without, you know, having to bite their head off. So, Don, this actually brings up something that uh, was a situation we had, I think it was either end of uh, last week or early this week. Uh, you were just in Iceland, and you actually, because we've been having so many great, great battles and great conflict to get amazing solutions um, we have these war helmets we put on whenever we do our planning. And so we had our, our war helmets on, and it's a true story. <laughs> and um, and actually— It's too weird to not be true. We were, we were planning a, uh, a workshop for a client, and it was uh, involving conflict resolution, actually, so <laughs> funny enough. <laughs> and um, we were working on this this template because we were building the agenda, and then we were building the workbook to go along with it so we could you know make sure the agenda matched so everything tied up and we give a, a great experience is always our goal with an end result in action. And we kind of had some— conflicting ideologies on how it should be done. We, it ended up being that we weren't communicating properly. We were both right. My ideology was if we're doing this, we need to make sure we go finish it out, do it once, one whole time, take the extra time to do it. And Don's like, we got 30 minutes. We have to get this done. We don't have time to get this. So just by kind of working through that and battling back and forth our ideology a little bit, which um, can be a little bit exhausting if you're not in practice. So it's good to make sure you're practicing this whenever you can in a healthy and positive way. But more way. than just the ideology, what happened with the emotions? If you were going to kind of put on a chart, what happened with both our emotions? 
What was kind of happening? Oh, the emotions were just rising and rising and rising, but I would say they were going up rather than directing. We were just we were trying to figure out what was going on, and once we got the solution, it was almost like a geyser. It just kind of went up and then just kind of came right back down rather than an oil explosion whenever um, two people are having more direct conflict. Well, I remember at one point in, it, in my head was this picture of me just planting my feet in the ground and just, I was very rigid at that point and I was just, I was becoming dictatorial. In fact, my backup mode is autocratic and that's what I was doing. So I wasn't even allowing you to really talk or get into me. You were talking, but, and I don't know if you felt this way, but I had my shell up and I, I just keep working and I've got this shell up. And that was probably not helpful to the relationship or the result at that particular moment. How does that affect your personal relationships? It becomes very problematic, particularly if done over a long period of time. Now, now the question is, did I damage the relationship with him? I think it was damaging at that point. But then what occurred? Did you or I do something or what happened that got it back from a negative basis to something that, that was useful? We understood where we both are coming from. We wanted the same goal. And um, it was more of me understanding the time frame and not pushing so hard on it. So had I not shared the time frame with you? Because I'm not sure you I know, did. I don't remember doing that. And to be honest that. with you, we were going at it, and I kind of viewed it as you had you, you were, had your feet planted, but I had a shield up. I'm just shield bashing <laughs> you a whole bunch. Of shit. I can't even see what's going on. Uh -huh. So, And that's, that's important to remember is whenever those emotions are high, you are at your absolute worst. Yes. Your intelligence goes down. Yes. Your critical thinking skills go down. Absolutely everything. So one of the things we're actually incorporating more of the office, we spoke about meditating, is we're incorporating into our meetings, doing some meditating beforehand, maybe some meditating after to make sure we can control our emotions a little better but still have that energy and those feelings but just in a more controlled and uh, Sith-like manner. But we might also, I know a lot of times with clients, or the client yesterday, there were six topics we had to cover and we had 90 minutes. So we basically agreed that 15 minutes per topic and we just track the time. And so, you know, maybe that's one of the things you and I need to do when we're working on something. Are we doing eight things or two things? How much time do we allot? And then that maybe will help us gauge the priorities of what the actions and behaviors we're doing. So maybe that's something that would be useful. What do we got to cover? How many? Whereas now I think you and I get together, we move pretty quick, which is a great capability, but maybe we're not thinking through the structure of the logistics as effectively. I actually have um, second on my uh, to-do list written is actually a meeting agenda sheet where it has our check-in with yourself, our uh, meditation, and then timelines with all of our actual meetings we have laid out clearly, whereas we're just picking one and going, not really having a whole view of what the, the whole scope of the work is for us for that day. Are, are you guys carving out any particular time or specific time during the day, each day, to for your mental health? Like, just for you, your well-being, working out or meditating or just anything to improve your mental health? Because... You can exercise, that's kind of physical, but I'm talking about mental, like becoming a better person. Well, for steps. mental, every morning I get up an hour early and I basically spend time reading through some, like Melody Beatty has some good affirmations that are one to two screens on the phone. And so then I'll put that down and I'll just think about kind of what was I guess you're going into a positive direction. Yeah. So for example, today I will stop clinging to the painful lessons of the past. I will open myself to the positive lessons today and tomorrow hold for me. So that's kind of the affirmation right. at the end of our two-page thing today. And mm -hmm. so that's something today is I'll try and not go past, look to the future. What's the lesson I'm learning right now in the moment? So I think that's one of the things I do. I also try and read heavier books in the evening or if I get 15 minutes between meetings or if I go in to wait for a client and and I might be sitting waiting for the client for 10 or 15 minutes. I'll have a book to read, two or three books that I'll actually, and when I say books, it might be the Kindle or it might be physical. It's more and more Kindle. But that's how I stay mentally, emotionally 
healthy. Craig, um, how do you stay healthy emotionally, mentally, day to day? I would say my biggest thing is I need some type of an escape, whether it's working out, which actually uh, maybe my physical, you can't see me out there viewers, but I'm not the uh, the young buck I once was. But that also help, that's the physical, but it also helps you with your brain because it releases dopamine mm -hmm. into your brain. And so the my thing is I, I love to play video games. I'm a big gamer. I'm a gamer my whole life. And so I go into my own fantasy world for a big chunk of time where my brain just does not have anything to do with the outside world. And I come back completely in 100% refresh. crush you on Madden 20. <laughs> you probably would. <laughs> I, on NHL, though, I think I'd have you. Uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I'll tell you what I do. I, um, I've, well, I've been doing this recently and for the last six months or seven months. Is when I'm, I'm about to try to fall asleep and I, I can't fall asleep, I will YouTube motivational stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's what I hear, and I'll fall asleep to it. And it really has... I, can't quantify the results, but I'm telling you it's working. Well, I think part of we can tell when we feel right with the world, ourselves, and life. Right. And I think there's a zone, there's a flow. There's actually a uh, great book, I forget the author's name, but it's called Flow. And this guy literally studied the psychology of flow. Mm -hmm. When you're in the moment, you're in the zone, you're not caring what people think or feel, you're just going and you're incredible what you produce. And I think if we focused on how to be at our best in every interaction, and that's a lot of what I do is before every interaction, okay, how do I be at my best? How do I hit a home run? I don't want to go into an interaction just going through the agenda. I don't want to go into an interaction preventing a problem from occurring. I want to go into it. Once the big home run we can hit, and it may only happen one out of 10 times, but because I'm exerting myself to do it, I'm intentionally thinking about it ahead of time. What happens is I get the one out of 10 and six out of 10 are really good. And there's very few that are just, we did a meeting. Who's the, who's the best person that you, you don't even have to know them. You could, they could be a celebrity they, or you could know them. Who is the best person at doing that that you know? I, I've actually come to have a lot of respect for a lot of actors. I think Keanu Reeves is somebody I think was cool just to watch in movies. But as I've kind of found about his personal life, you know, an actor is somebody that's got to kind of go into something. You know, there's, there's the old song, there's no business like show business. You've got to put the smile on your face, even if you're going through really bad stuff and go rock and roll and do it. Now, business is the same thing. But business it's a little bit less easy to see i think sometimes right i think it's a, a little bit in, in business people is a mis misperceived notion conceived notion that you have to be albert einstein or you have to be so, so smart to to be able to make this business thing work and be it, successful and you don't because i am not albert einstein <laughs> was a great researcher theorist and all that he could not have run a business right because there was too much time spent thinking a lot of business owners I don't literally mean this, but conceptually, they're a little bit dumb and blind. Mm -hmm. They're more interested in getting the result and being practical, and they're willing to take risk to test something in a small way, whereas a lot of people that are researchers or investigators will think and think and think and think it, but won't necessarily pull the trigger, well, and that's the, problematic. It comes back to the, to the old saying, you know, I don't think it's old, but if you're, if you're a leader of a business, you just hire people who are smarter than you. If you're not good at that, then you hire somebody who is Absolutely. smarter than you, and, and that makes you smarter, makes your business smarter. And I used to think you had to understand the business to be effective, but I, I think if you know how to build, mold, develop people, teams, cultures, I quite frankly, I think you can run any business. Now, it does help to know some of the mechanics of it, but... I think it, it's absolutely one of the most important factors of it, yeah. So bringing it back around, I feel that if this Jedi would have had a little bit more of an open, direct Sith mentality, 
that uh, Darth Vader would have never happen and their collapse would have never come around. So let that be a lesson. Because of communication? Communication, yes, yes and, and learn, helping them control the emotions. So bring it back into your business. You know, help your team, help your people because you don't want to create a Sith Lord that will yeah. come in. One of my members. biggest, one of my, my number one mentor, he, he, he drilled this into me. He said, communication is the cheapest thing we have, but it's the hardest thing to achieve in a work environment. It's so easy to pick the phone up and say, hey, I'm going to be late or I didn't do that or whatever. But if you don't tell anybody, then it just messes everybody up. And it's free. I mean, I guess a cell phone's not free, but it's pretty much free to communicate yeah. with someone. And people just don't do it. Yeah. I, I appreciate it all the time. Like, why don't you just tell me that? Because they didn't, they're not thinking that way. So you're right. Mm-hmm. You, have to, you have to train them to think that way. And and in and, and your personal life, too, communication is so key. So get out there and pull the best from the Sith, the Jedi, and other cultures out there and become the best you can be. Craig? As a thank you to our listeners, we want to extend an open invitation for a free copy of our business health assessment. You can get a copy of this by going to our website or emailing me directly at cchase at AppliedVisionWorks.com. But I'd also like to up the ante, and uh, I'll make sure that Don, even though he's, I'm not sure he's agreed to it, but I'm going to make sure he does it. I'll give you a 30-minute phone call to talk about the results and see how we can help you out with our blind spots. There's an old Russian proverb, trust but verify, and we want to be your second set of eyes. You've been listening to the Building a Leadership Culture to Reach Your Destination podcast, hosted by Don Hadley, owner and president of Applied Vision Works. Any questions, concerns? Please email Craig Chase at cchase at appliedvisionworks.com or call 800-786-4332. This has been an exclusive presentation of 680 WPTF and Applied Vision Works.